0: Sorry, I need to cough and this doesn't have a mute and then I was confused. And Anyway, Um, it's great to see you. Good morning again. Uh, It's a great joy to come and share uh, God's word with you this morning. Uh, We're going to be looking at uh, Romans together, so it'd be great if you keep that open in your Bible. Uh, Let me pray and ask for God's help uh, as we do that. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we can meet together as your people this morning. And we pray now as we come to look at your word, and we pray that you would help us to understand it, and that by your spirit, you would shape us to be more like your son. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to uh, imagine for a moment, right, you get a phone call. So the phone rings, you you pick it up, and uh, quickly you realize this is someone who you don't normally talk to, all right? This is someone who's very uh, powerful. Uh, maybe someone who has a lot of money, uh, a lot of influence. I uh, wonder who that would be for you. Uh, maybe I'm a bit geeky. I, I just couldn't think, I could think of uh, Bill Gates, right? Uh, you know, he's got so much money, right? So much influence. You can think of someone else. I don't mind, right? But the point is this person calls you up and they uh, answer the phone. You're like, hello, it's Kevin. Oh, yep, okay. You work out who it is. Uh, And they say, Kev, look, I've been, you know, I've been thinking about the next 12 months, been making some plans, goals. uh, And what I've decided for the next 12 months, I'm going to be working towards your good. Right? All the resources that I have, all the money, all the power, everything is going to be working for your personal good. Right? That would, that would be incredible, right? Imagine you got a phone call like that. You'd think, A, it's a scam. You'd think that's, that's too good to be true, right? I mean, why would Bill Gates or whoever, why would they care about us, right? It sounds like a crazy scenario. Uh, and yet, it's not far, actually, from what we read in Romans chapter 8, right? Look again at Romans chapter 8. Have a think about these words, right? Now Paul writes, "...we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God." Uh, the implication is that God is the one who works and he's working for our good. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? Right? This isn't like a mere human like you know Bill Gates or whatever, right? This is the God of the universe. You know, the sun, He made that, right? <laughs> he made everything that we see, uh, and it says here that He is working, in fact, all things work together for our good. Isn't that an in- incredible promise? Right? Now, before we get too carried away, there's a, there's a very important word we'll have to understand in the passage. Any ideas? Right? What word will we need to think through? Good? Someone say that? Yeah, well, th- that's what I was hoping for, right? Good? I'll assume that's what you said, right? What does it mean by Good? God is working all things for our good, but what does God mean by that? Uh, And it's worth just saying, I think it's important to affirm that God should be the one to decide what is good. Uh, In our culture, in our world around us, uh, it does not encourage us to look to God. No, it encourages us to look inside uh, for our own desires. Uh, It says, come up with your own good, your own Uh, dreams, you know, do whatever makes you happy. Uh, But that's that's crazy, isn't it? Is that not the heart of sin, to say no to God, the Creator, uh, but instead think that we can make up our own good, right? So let's not get caught up on that. Uh, No, as Christians, we want to be humble before our Creator and we want to hear what He has to say is the good that He is working towards Uh, So let's have a closer look. Then, so verse twenty-eight, we know that all things uh, work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. Right. So, what is the good that God is working towards? Well, we see He has a purpose. Right. What's this purpose? Verse uh, verse twenty-nine, for those He foreknew Uh, before creation, God knew us. And he predestined, right? He had a plan that he was working towards. And um, what was that plan? You see there, verse 29, that we would be conformed to the image of his Son. Right? To put it simply, the good that God is working towards is that we would be more like Jesus. But notice it's not just for the individual. It's not just that I would be conformed to Jesus but it's for us together, right? Again, verse 29, uh, God's plan that He's working towards, His purpose is that we'd be conformed to the image of His Son so that He, Jesus, would be the firstborn among many brothers. Uh, and so God's plan is that us together as brothers and sisters in Christ that we would be more like Jesus, right? This is the good to which God is working. This is His purpose, now, what's the time frame that God is working with? Uh, well, I think from verse 28, we see it's something in the present, right? God is working all things now. Now, He's working to make us more like Jesus. But there's also an element of the future, isn't it? Uh, I mean, we know that we will not be perfect in this life. Now, we wait till the new creation when we will be raised with Jesus. In one sense, that's the, the point that we will be fully conformed to Jesus. Uh, that together we would be gathered with Jesus, our big brother. So it's something that kind of God is working now, but also something we look forward to. Uh, And we see that kind of spelt out for us uh, a bit further in verse 30. So in verse 30, he kind of continues that that chain. uh, Those he foreknew, he predestined. Verse 30, those he predestined, he also called. Uh, Called in the Bible, this is uh, God's effective call right, a work of God's Spirit in our hearts to bring us to faith in Jesus. Uh, Those he called, he also justified. Uh, One of the great things we've been learning through the book of Romans, that God has made us right with him, right, through the death of Jesus in our place. But again, verse 30, those he justified, he also glorified. Now, that last word in verse 30 is a little bit uh, puzzling, I think, um, I mean when we look at Romans the New Testament uh it's pretty clear that the glory that we look forward to is still to come right it's in the future uh so I think on your on your outline there Romans 8:18 8, the verse we looked at last week uh Paul says just a few verses before where we are he says for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us So, clearly, our glory is is still to come, right? Which, I don't know about you, is a little bit of a relief, right? Uh, If this (laughs) is the glorified body, it's a little bit disappointing, right? Uh, No, there's, there's, there's more to come, right? We look forward to this glory. But then, why does it sound like it's in the past, right? It's puzzling, isn't it? Uh, A couple of ideas, it could be that Paul is, you know, he writes, it's something so certain, right? We know that it will happen, uh, that he writes it as happening or happened, uh, possible, I think. I think maybe a little bit more likely he has kind of a a progressive glorification. So it's the idea of two Corinthians, uh, that we are uh, transformed in ever-increasing likeness to the glory of Jesus, so in one sense, we could say as Christians, well, we have been glorified, uh, in part as we know Jesus, but there's, there's more to come. Uh, so maybe that's what he means here. Uh, my, my thought, um, is, uh, something slightly different. It's a bit, a bit complicated, it relates to kind of Greek grammar. You can come and ask me later. Uh, but the short story is, I think in the way that Paul writes, we can understand it as something in the future, right? There's, there's something still to come. Uh but it's important for us to understand that we, we will be glorified, right? That that is the future that God has called us to, something that we can look forward to. That we will be raised with Jesus, that we will be fully conformed to the image of Son of the Son, and together as brothers and sisters, that we'll live with our big brother, our first the firstborn uh Jesus forever. Uh this is the future that we look forward to and it shapes our, our present now. Uh, God's purpose, the good that He's working towards, is that we would be more like Jesus. That there would be less sin in our life, right? That we would put to death sin, but there would be more godliness in our life, right? That we would be more like Jesus, right? Growing in godliness. Uh, That we would have a focus on our Father, just like Jesus did. That we would genuinely depend on Him and express that in prayer. You know, God's purpose for us is that each day, week, month, year, decade, right, slowly and surely, we would grow to be more like Jesus. Uh, That's what we, uh, that's what God is working towards. Uh, And it's based on the past, what God has already done, right? We saw that in the passage. It's because God has already called us already justified us he's already made us right with him and it's knowing that past that God has justified us that's what motivates us to be more like Jesus in the present as we wait for our future right then we will be fully like Jesus right so hopefully you're on board so far right the good the purpose God is working towards that we would be like Jesus, right? That's 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 the goal, right? But how is God doing it? Well, this is our, our second point on the outline. Come back to verse 28 with me. How is God doing it? Well, verse 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Uh, I've been uh, reflecting a little bit on this phrase all things. You know, what does it what does he mean by all things, right? I had a lot of work. I looked at the Greek, right? Thought about it a lot and And I think my conclusion is he means all things, right? (laughs) He means everything, right? Isn't that incredible, right? Everything we can see, everything we can't see, all things. This is what God is using to make us more like Jesus. So I think in the context of Romans, when he says all things, it certainly includes suffering, Right? That's one of the ways that God grows us. We saw that back in verse 18 I referred to before. Our present suffering is not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. So God uses sufferings. Uh, and often that's our experience, isn't it? Uh, one of the times that we often grow as a Christian uh, is when we have hard times. But all things is not limited to suffering. It can include good times as well. Right When life is going well, it can grow us in, in thankfulness to God Uh, All things that God can use can include our kind of internal uh, thoughts, you know, ideas, reflections, things that come to mind, but also be external circumstances, you know, things that uh, happen to us uh, in everyday life. Uh, it, It could come through our own personal Bible reading. I mean, I trust that you're reading the Bible each day. You know, you want to be more like Jesus so God can use our personal Bible reading. Uh, but also, he can use the encouragement of others. You know, maybe the, the preacher up the front, uh, maybe the word over morning tea, uh, maybe the prayer of your gospel team. Uh, all things, right? God can use all things to make us more like Jesus. Now, it's worth just saying before in, in verse 28, uh, this promise is is though for believers, right? Do you see that at the end uh, of the verse? God is working for the good of those well, who are the those? It's those who love God, also those who are called according to His purpose. That's not two groups, it's it's one group. Uh, and remind us of that thing that the Bible says is true. Uh, then in one sense, a believer is someone who actively trusts in Jesus, right, who loves God. But on the other hand, a believer is someone that God has chosen by His sovereign uh, choice, Right? Uh, he has called us uh, according to His purpose. Both of those things are true. Uh, and so this promise of what God is working uh, is for those who are believers, right, who are part of His family. Now, I don't know about you, I think as we hear these things, I imagine you're kind of nodding, hopefully. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it makes sense, right? I, I don't think it's a very kind of complicated passage, right, pretty straightforward God working all things, make us more like jesus not i don 't think it 's hard to understand right, and we kind of yep it 's good i 've got it in my head. I think the challenge for us is really believing it in our heart isn 't it? Uh, I mean I think the the no of verse twenty eight we know is like a an aspirational no you know we should we should know this to be true see i don 't know about you, but I think for me i 'm just I'm too easily influenced by the world in this. Uh, I I hear the good that God is working towards, but I so easily think, well, maybe my goal, maybe my purpose should be something different. Uh, I think it's unlikely, perhaps maybe unlikely, that we would think our goal is to, you know, be incredibly wealthy or incredibly rich or things like that. I think more subtle, more tempting for us, is that our goal, or purpose, might be our comfort. Right? If I think about what do I want for my life, it's so easy to think, well, I, you know, I don't want to be like super wealthy, right? But but I do just want to be comfortable. <laughs> uh, I want to have a life free from trouble. I just you know just just want to be happy, right? Maybe that should be the good that God is working towards. Uh, I've got uh, three kids. Uh, it's very easy, isn't it, to have those aspirations as parents. I think about what I want for my kids. Well, I want them... To, okay, they don't need to be super rich, but I, I do want them to be successful, don't I? You know, I want them to be uh, well-balanced, right? I want them, I want them to, be, to be happy, right? But can you see, if that is our goal, if that's what we're living for, If that's what we're tempted to think, this is the God, this is the good, sorry, that God is working, well, that's going to cause a lot of trouble for us, right? We know as Christians that suffering and hardship will come and so if we think that God wants us to be comfortable, well, it's going to run us into a lot of trouble when those things happen. I mean, just think for a moment, right? Think back recently to a time that you were frustrated, a time that you were annoyed, maybe tempted to kind of shake your fist at God, what what was your expectation? What were you hoping for that didn't happen? Perhaps it was this pursuit of kind of worldly comfort that your life would go well and be free from trouble. But see, if we genuinely know what we see here in Romans chapter 8 if we're convinced and believe and persuaded that the greatest good is that we would be more like Jesus, then it changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't make suffering easy when it comes. <laughs> it's not like we kind of skip through life with a smile on our, on our face. I mean, suffering is ha. <laughs> that's, that's why it's called suffering. It's not easy but it helps us just be more open to the ways that God might use it to grow us. And I think it encourages us to have a more radical vision of what we want from our life, to really set that goal of saying, well, I want to be more like Jesus. I mean, why would we stoop so low to one earthly comfort in our lifetime when we could have a much greater goal of being conformed to the image of the Son. Why would, why would we have such low dreams for our kids that we want them to be kind of successful and happy and well-balanced when we can lift our eyes much, much higher to want them to be more like Jesus. See, these verses that we read, verses 28 to 30, in one sense they're a wonderful comfort to us and they're meant to be a comfort, right? To know that God has not left us alone, that He is with us whatever we face. But it's also a challenge, isn't it? To reflect on what is the good that we want God to be working towards. What is our hope? What are our dreams? See, if you pray that God would make you more like Jesus, that's that's a great pray to, a great prayer to pray, right? God would make you more like Jesus. It's also a bit dangerous, isn't it? (laughs) What might God use to shape you in the image of his son? Uh, Well, so far, we've spent most of our time, verse 28, 29, 30. Now, don't worry, right, the next part's going to be a bit faster, okay? Our our rate of verses will increase, okay? Uh, But so far, pretty straightforward, right? The good that God is working all things, uh, is that we would be more like Jesus, right? Positively, God is working towards that. Uh, But in the rest of the passage, verse 31 to 39, we see negatively that nothing will stop God from achieving His purpose. And as I said, we'll we'll deal with that uh, much more quickly. Uh, In verses 31 to 39, it kind of drives home two big points to us. Uh, Firstly, that God is powerful, uh, and secondly that god is for us okay uh, and and both are important okay imagine a really powerful god who doesn't care for us okay that's that's not going to help us uh, or imagine a god who deeply deeply cares for us but has no power okay that's that's not going to help us no we need we need both and and that's that's what we have right in, in the god and father of our lord jesus christ a God who is both powerful and who deeply cares for us. Let's right, so have a look at verse thirty-one. Uh, what then are to we to say? So, what then are we to say about these things? Uh, and then the kind of first of our questions: uh, If God is for us, who is against us? Now, if you think about that question, who is against us? You could say, well, there's a lot of things against us, right? Uh, increasingly, it seems as Christians we face. Uh, opposition but the point of the question isn't it doesn't matter who is against us but if God is for us that's what makes all the difference and how do we know that God is for us well verse 32 he did not uh, he did not even spare his own son but offered him up for us all that's where we see the great love of God isn't it God demonstrated his love by Jesus dying on the cross in our place. And we have that wonderful question, if God has given us his son, how will he not also with him, with Jesus, grant us everything? Right? It's a verse that speaks of the generosity of our God, that really drives home that God is for us. He has given us Jesus, his son. And so, of course, he will give us everything Not everything we want, but everything we need. Everything we need to make us more like Jesus. Uh, The next two questions kind of fit together. So verse 33, uh, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Verse 34, who is the one who condemns? Uh, Again, the answer could be, well, there might be people who who accuse you and try and condemn you. Uh, Maybe a, a human figure, right? Or maybe a spiritual figure. You know, Satan is called the uh, accuser, right? And there's times where we feel that kind of accusation, don't we? Uh, we? We doubt, would God really forgive us? But one thing we can be so confident of from this passage is that God is powerful to forgive us, right? God is powerful to forgive us through Jesus and that He is willing, right? He is willing to to forgive us. Have a look at verse 33. God is the one who justifies. If God declares us righteous, who can accuse us? Verse 34, Christ Jesus is the one who has already died, right? He's already died in our place, but even more has been raised. And he also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. It's at the cross we see so clearly the great power of God, that power to forgive us, but also that He is for us, that He loves us. Reminds us of Romans chapter 8, verse 1, for those in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. And it's important that we're clear on this. If you ever feel an accusation, if you feel condemned, we'll know that you have been forgiven in Christ. So important that we remember that. Uh, well, the next question comes in verse 35, uh, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, the next question suggests that Paul is thinking particularly that hardship might separate us, right? You can see the list of uh, hardships there. Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, right? Can they separate us from the love of Christ? That's kind of where he's going. Uh, and it's not a theoretical list, You know, Paul's not sitting on his uh, comfortable armchair, uh, you know, writing this list, just, you know, Google search synonyms for hardship, right? This is a description of his life, right? You read through Acts and it's full of anguish and hardship uh, and and persecution. Not a surprise. I mean, Psalm 44, which is just quoted there, uh, God's people are described as, a sheep to be slaughtered—that's a—that's a pretty full-on image, isn't it? Right? Do you think of yourself as a sheep to be slaughtered? Right? The expectation for those who are part of God's people is that we will face right hardship, opposition, persecution, and yet, will these things separate us from the love of Christ? Can those things separate us? Well, the answer is clear in verse 37, right? Do you see that? Verse 37, the first word. Can, can those things separate us? It's pretty clear, isn't it? No. <laughs> no, they cannot. No, in all these things, we are more than victorious through Him who loved us. Uh, it may not look like we have the victory as Christians, right? But, but we do. We've been declared righteous we have this great hope of being raised with Jesus and living with Him forever. Uh, as Christians, we have the victory uh, and it's something that we look forward to being fully revealed in the new creation. Now look, I mean, I've come to preach. I'm not, I'm not often here at Bexley North, right? I don't know all of you uh, very well. Uh, maybe you've come to church this morning and life is pretty good, right? Praise God. Uh, but maybe you've come to church this morning and you're feeling way down. Uh, perhaps you're going through anguish, suffering, pain, opposition. Well, can whatever it is that you're facing, can that thing separate you from the love of Christ? Well, this passage is so helpful in saying no. <laughs> Whatever it is, it will not separate you from the love of Christ. Now, the final two verses, verses 38 and 39, really drive home for us the, the power of God. Right? Paul lists out some things that seem powerful. Death, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, any other created thing. Do they have the power to separate us from the love of Christ? No, they don't, right? Nothing can stop God. God is so powerful. Nothing can stop His plan to make us more like Jesus. Uh, It's interesting, I think, verse um, 38, see there, he says, for I am persuaded. Uh, It's it's really interesting, right? Verse 28, he started with, we know, right? We know that God works. Verse 38, I am persuaded. It's, It's stronger, isn't it? Doesn't that sound stronger to you? right. I'm, I'm persuaded that nothing can separate us from Christ. Perhaps it's through Paul's experience, the anguish, hardship that he, he wrote about. Maybe God used that to shape him to be more like Jesus, to convince him, persuade him of that wonderful truth that God is for us. I will hope this morning that these verses have come as a as a comfort to you. Right? It's, a, it's such a wonderful part of God's Word uh, that whatever we experience, we can know that God is... God is with us, right? He is powerful, He is for us. Uh, But I hope it's also a bit of a a challenge for you as well, just to reflect on your purpose, right? What is your goal? What are you trying to work towards in your life? And how does it match up to the purpose we see that God has for you, for the Creator uh, who made you? I think a good kind of little diagnostic question is to reflect on your prayers, Right, think back over the way you've prayed this last week. I mean, I trust you have prayed. Of course, God is powerful and He's for us. Why would we not want to pray? <laughs> right, we need to keep encouraging uh, each other. I include myself, right, to make sure we're dependent on God. But when you pray, what, what do you pray for? You know, do you pray that God? Sorry, do you pray that that life will go well? That, that's a that's a good thing to pray. We can bring all things before God. You know, pray that life would go well. Uh, Do you pray that God would relieve your suffering? That's a great thing to pray, right? All things in God's hands we can pray that He would relieve our suffering or whatever hardship we're going through. But is that all that you pray? Do you also pray that, that God would conform you to the image of His Son? Do you pray that God would make you more like Jesus? that God would work all things uh, to his end. Right, it's quite a challenge, isn't it? And it comes back, well, will we truly believe God? Will we trust him when he says that is for our good? Don't lower ourselves to thinking of worldly comforts. Now let us set, set our sights on what God wants for us, that we would be more like Jesus. how would I pray that God would do that work in us now. Our Father, we're so thankful that we can meet together as your people this morning. We thank you that you have called us, that you have justified us because of Jesus. And knowing these great truths, Father, we pray that you would work in us, that you would use all things to make us more like Jesus. Help us to see things as you see them, to see that that is our greatest good, (laughs) that we would be like your son. And Father, we do long for the day when Jesus will come back. We long for the day that we will be raised with him, that we will be made perfect, that all suffering and pain will be gone, and that we will live with you as brothers and sisters in Christ, with our big brother Jesus, that we will live with him forever. And we pray that day would come soon. Amen.